Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us this afternoon on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It's backed by world-class IT personnel. IT folks who live where you do. And that's right here in Seaspire country. Learn more about them online at cspire.com slash business. cspire.com slash business. Seaspire text line is 601-879-4395. Coming to you, from, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort. Yes, say that? I'm just watching you struggle with that headset there. Well, I, I couldn't find what I normally use, and so I had to borrow a headset, and then I saw that it, what I was my earbuds were. Right up there on ah. the ledge. So I was trying to okay. do that while talking. Thought I could do it without any issue until you made those strange faces at me. I was me. like, what is he doing? Well, in the amount of time you were talking, Kayshawn Boutte made uh, two bets. Yeah, at least that many. So At least two bets. If, hold on real quick. Pearl River Resort Studio, home of the sportsbook. <laughs> could have just gone there. Home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. If you were going to allegedly commit crimes on the internet, mm-hmm. and in order to commit those crimes, you would have to create a username, mm-hmm. what would you use as your username to commit those crimes? Sometimes Richard Michael Cross Borky, 01. Hiding in plain sight is the best strategy. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Other times you should, I don't know, You have your usernames be anything other than your name. But no, ah. Kayshawn Boutte was not, or Booty, uh, your booty's going to go to jail, uh, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> ah. to place almost ah. 9,000 bets while playing at LSU. In twenty in twenty twenty two, nine thousand bets almost. Just under nine thousand bets. Will any one of us today say nine thousand words in three hours? No. No. Uh, so it's... more bets than words. 
in, 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 a, in a sports talk show. Some of those bets included on uh, his team. Now, to his at least as far as we understand it, it was exclusively his team and himself to have success, but still cannot do that. Uh, he used the usernames of Kayshawn Butte 7 and Kayshawn Butte 01. No, uh, no word of Kayshawn Butte 69. Ah, whatever, Booty, Butte, whatever. Uh, same difference. He committed crimes and he it used. It doesn't matter what his name is at this point. He allegedly it's about to be committed crimes. And used his own name. It's like walking into a bank with a mask on and your gun in hand and saying, hey, behind the desk, I need you to write some checks and make it out to me, Dan Smith. No. <laughs> No, it's it's like walking into the bank with a mask on, and the mask is your face. <laughs> you found a mask of yourself. You left your They'll name never tag guess on for it's work. me. <laughs> Hello, my name is. Hey, hey. Nice to meet you. Now give me the money. Wire oh, it to gosh. my bank account. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the intelligence so how, level was super high on this, but at the same so, time, would it be that crazy to think that an LSU fan might have a, a DraftKings account or a FanDuel account man. that where Kayshawn Boudé so, 7 was their username? So did the money come straight from the hospital to the, the DraftKings account, or how did that work? Yeah, how many cancer patients were robbed of treatment because of uh, oh. this? Oh... But it's certainly possible an LSU fan used his name, but he used his name, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, if you've missed the story, Louisiana State Police have charged Kayshawn Butte <laughs> with uh, felony, uh, one felony count of computer fraud and a misdemeanor count of gambling prohibited for persons under 21. The investigation is ongoing with additional charges possible. Um, illegal sports betting while playing at LSU. Investigators assigned to the Louisiana State Police Gaming Enforcement Division found that Booty bet on sports from April 6th of 2022 until May 7th of 2023. Check my math here, but I think that's 13 months. That he was 20 months. years old, May 7th, 2023. Booty allegedly used an alias hmm, to get around the age requirement for placing sports wagers in Louisiana. The alias account believed to be used by Booty placed more than 8,900 wagers, again, in 13 months, with at least 17 bets on NCAA football games, including at least six on LSU games. A quote from LSU in July 2023, LSU was made aware of allegations regarding a former student-athlete's improper conduct related to sports gambling while enrolled at the university. Since then, we have fully co uh, cooperated with all relevant authorities involved in the investi investigation and will continue to do so. We have no evidence that any other student-athletes participated in these prohibit activities, and we are grateful for measures that detect and discourage sports gambling-related misconduct. That's 24 math bets right, per day. Yeah, if I did the math right, in 395 days, that's 13 months, 22.5 bets per day. I literally don't do anything but breathe and talk 22.5 times per day. That's, that's literally it. Maybe, I guess, walk, take steps. 
If you said 22 bets or 24 bets per day during football season, okay. But per day. No, no, I understand that. So, well, so I mean, you say that, like, until you get to the middle of uh, October, there's not games every day. What are you betting on? You think he, you think he invested in a little KBL back during the pandemic, a little Korean League baseball? There is zero doubt. No doubt. This is a guy who, this is a guy who bets on like League of Legends. I mean, he's betting on literally anything he can get his hands on. Hmm. Even Phil Mickelson was impressed by this guy. Yeah, feels like if if he placed like, wow. eighty nine hundred bets in thirteen months, does that mean that he was a successful sports investor? So uh, according to the according to the affidavit, uh, he wagered. <laughs> Uh, four hundred and fifty nine hundred sixty nine thousand dollars in twenty twenty two, and he won three hundred and eighty five thousand dollars. So losses of sixty five thousand dollars, and in twenty twenty three he wagered one hundred eighty six thousand dollars and won one hundred seventy thousand dollars, indicating losses of sixteen thousand. So, yeah, he lost about eighty grand betting on everything. Better, no, no, never mind lost 80 grand. Had nearly $600,000 to bet? Well, he spent 2023 in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, look, when, when you're talking yeah, about when, when you're talking about either casino betting, sportsbook betting, or online betting, that's not like historically where there was a neighborhood bookie where you had yeah. credit. And, you know, you, you bet through yeah. the weekend, and then either you paid on Tuesday or you collected on Thursday. That's not how this the works. You was had running to have, the whole time. You had to have money in the account to be able to place the wagers. So he yeah, bet yeah. one hundred eighty six k right, in, in 2023. His salary was $915,000. So that's his salary before taxes, agent pay, social media manager, whatever. So he bet... Over a ninth of his salary last year. Yeah, but 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 in reality, more like twenty percent after all of those things taken out that, that you said a second ago. And I don't know. I mean, is that a crazy amount? Yes. For a guy making a million bucks a year, I I, I don't know. But but here's the thing. He didn't bet one hundred eighty-six thousand uh, yeah, dollars at one time. It's spread out over a bunch of wagers. He's probably betting that makes it worse. Thousand dollars a game, whatever. $186,000 is nothing to Richard Cross. He'll drop that in the Marriott tonight in Columbia, uh, Missouri. Ah, uh, Tell me about it, Ric Flair. Tell me about it. Woo! That was a great clip you uh, uh, posted the other day. I liked that one. Which one? The, about being the star of the show? In, no, no, no. Dropping it in the oh. Marriott. <laughs> I dropped that in the Marriott. The, the 30000 <laughs> Yeah, That's nothing in the life of the world champion. That's, I thought uh, that was great. Today's was good too. Today was uh, it was like you have to listen to me because I'm the star of the show, and it was like whenever I try to counterpoint Richard, and there, there it was. Yeah, uh, that 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 might count as a gold mine for me. Does LSU get in any trouble over this? So, my question is this: Yeah, 2023, you made nine hundred thousand dollars, right, in the NFL. 2022 is at LSU, right? Yes. Yep. With $400,000 to bet. Yep. Yeah, I think somebody's going to ask a question or two. 
When did NIL start? It was around in 2022. Uh, he better have some uh, some documentation. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, let's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. a weird game last night in Gainesville. Florida ultimately gets the win. 79-70 over Mississippi State to move to 13-6 overall and get to 3-3 in the SEC. Bulldogs fell to 13-6, 2-4 in Southeastern Conference play. This was an offense-optional game for the first eight minutes. With 12.05 to go in the first half, a combined 16 points had been scored. It was 8-8 eight to eight with 12 minutes and 5 seconds left in the first half. However, there were 77 points that were scored in the first half. And so the next 12 minutes were kind of an offensive explosion. Florida had a lead up 9 at the half. It was dead even at 36 apiece in the second half and saw a pretty incredible Mississippi State run that saw them dig out of a 19-point deficit. Hey, Dad, is that right? They were down 19 and went on a 16-0 run? I think that's that's close to correct. Yeah, let me double-check that. But, yeah, they were down quite a bit at one point in the second half to the point where uh, to say that I was uh, thoroughly involved in the game and watching it would be uh, inaccurate. I'll put it that way. It was 59-42 with 11 minutes and 42 seconds to play. So it was a 17-point game. And then Josh Hubbard hit a three with just over 10 minutes to play. Um, I guess it was 62-45, so it was back to 17, and that's when Mississippi State kind of kind of started a run and climbed back into it, and nearly got all the way back. Um, what what did you what did you take away last night? You're not going to win any games in the SEC when your starting backcourt combines for for five points. Uh, Shaq Moore had five. Deshaun Davis had zero. That's three of the last four games Deshaun Davis has not scored for Mississippi State. And Hubbard, you know, he had 26 last night, but he had 25 shots. So, I mean, he got it. He got, I mean, there's not a whole, uh, he, it's good that he got the points, but at that volume, he should. Tolu Smith had the world's most insignificant double double, 10 points, 10 rebounds, but he's 5 of 12 from the floor. State mm-hmm. continues to miss free throws, 4 of 9. They couldn't get to the line, and when they did get to the line, they were missing. Um, and then just missing shots at the rim, uh, missing some easy buckets. State actually had more offensive rebounds than Florida. We talked about it yesterday that Florida is a really good offensive rebounding team, and they did have 15 offensive rebounds. State had 22. But only 16 second chance points. Um, in the first four minutes of the game before the, at the, at the first media timeout, State had seven offensive rebounds, but they were three of 12 from the floor, 0 of seven from behind the arc. They could have been out to a, a 10, 12 point lead there in the first few minutes of the game, 
but they let Florida, you know, hang around there in those opening minutes, and then Florida grabs the lead early in the, or about midway through the first half, and never gives it back. Um, the state just played really poorly, and state continues to do the thing that I've been I've been harping on, and that's they are not playing defense the way they played a season ago. You know what state yeah. did defensively last year? It wasn't scheme or anything like that. It was just effort. They played incredibly, incredibly hard on the defensive end because they knew they were limited offensively. This team is still limited offensively, even with what Hubbard gives them, but they don't play with that same edge and attitude and effort on the defensive end that they they played with last year, and that's the reason they've been losing games. And it's much the same team. It's the same team. Yeah. I mean, Mississippi State has... I I came across this number while I was doing another game. It may have been... I don't I don't remember. And the number of returning minutes played or starts or games played in a career, I think Mississippi State is I think they lead the country. They're they're certainly top ten nationally and maybe even better than that. Just a ton of experience back on this team. And then you've got Josh Hubbard who obviously is contributing in a big way as a freshman. But much of what we talked about yesterday kind of came to fruition. State did an okay job with Florida's front court. The combination of Tyree Samuel and Micah Hanlogton, they went for 18 points and 11 rebounds. So the two big men for Florida that were starters. That's an okay night for those two guys. But Florida's guards were really good. Will Richard had 23 points. Clayton had 15 points. Pullen had 15 points as well. Hey, Ned, to your point about starting guards, you compare Florida starting guards to Mississippi State starting guards, and it's it was night and day in terms of production. Yeah. And if you had told me yesterday, Richard, you know, hey, Riley Kugel's only going to score four points in this game, I would tell you that State probably won the game by double digits if they were able to limit him to that. But Richard, Pullen, Clayton... All these guys in double figures. I mean, Rashard was incredible last night. Twenty-three points, nine rebounds as well. Just, just really had his way with that state defense. State, you know, a couple. You know, the recruiting miss of Andrew Taylor is a big one for state because that's a guy who they, I think, they expected to probably be the starting point guard by this point in the season. A guy that they thought was going to be a double-digit point scorer for them. And it, it didn't pan out. It, it, you just missed on him. He's got the off-the-court issues. When I say off-the-court, I always like to praise. It's not legal issues. But he can't get on the court right now. Then you have Keyshawn Murphy, who, you know, basically took his ball and went home. Apparently he's back. I think he'll, he might be back this weekend. I don't know. He was with the team last weekend, uh, didn't dress, didn't travel to Florida yesterday. Um but that's, I mean, you watched that game last night. State needed to give Jimmy Bell and, and, and Tolu Smith some rest and couldn't because they just didn't have any big guys. Jeffries and Cam Matthews were in foul trouble there in the first half. State had to place Tolu and Jimmy Bell on the floor at the same time for the first time all year because they just don't have any depth right now because Keyshawn Murphy decided to, to, to not, he didn't want to play for, for a little while. So you've got that. You've got your starting backcourt not giving you any kind of production. I mean, there are times when State starts the game, Richard, you think about their starting lineup. Deshaun Davis, Shaq Moore, DJ Jeffries, Cam Matthews, Tolu Smith. There's one guy that you can count on to get buckets in that lineup. The other four guys are not offensive threats. I I mean, I'm surprised that nobody just – 
that everybody just doesn't zone state from the start of the game until Hubbard comes in, basically. You know, I, I feel like Hubbard, Hubbard played plenty of minutes last night. Trey Fort probably needs more minutes just because he's scoring. But you, you can't win games like when your backcourt's not doing anything, when all you're getting out of Tolu Smith is, is kind of garbage time points. Yeah, it's just it's just not going to work. Jimmy Bell didn't score last night. He did have five rebounds, but he didn't get he didn't score, and he missed a couple of of easy looks, but you know, shots right at the rim. It was just a really really poor effort by State. And it doesn't get much easier because they come back home to face <laughs> Auburn on Saturday, an Auburn team that is coming off a loss in a very hostile road environment last night uh, at Coleman Coliseum, and um, that's Saturday afternoon. It'll be a big crowd. It's gonna be a great atmosphere. Gonna be really good. But this is you. You gotta flush this one, and then come home and defend the home court. But defend is going to be the operative word. And hey, Dad, to your point about Mississippi State and and depth, Auburn's gonna run guys at you in waves. It's like line changes for Auburn as opposed to substitutions, and that's probably gonna be a pretty mad Auburn team. They played a horrible first half against Alabama last night and then just came within an eyelash of coming back from, what, down 14 at the break? Couldn't get the win at the end. Alabama made a few more plays. Um, But that's the matchup coming up on Saturday, and it's really a big one for Mississippi State. And, you know, we've been saying all year it's tough to win on the road. It's tough to win on the road, and it is. It is tough to win on the road, but now State's looking at maybe dropping two of their first uh, three home games. Oh, yeah, they, they are sorry. Two of their first four home games because they've already lost to Alabama. They're going to be an underdog on Saturday. They're going to be an underdog next Saturday at Alabama. That Ole Miss game is as must win a game as State's going to face this year. They absolutely have to go to Oxford and win. And it's bad news. Ole Miss is almost unbeatable at home. They are playing incredibly good at home. They're they're different team on the road. They're not great on the road. Nobody is. But at home, that is a tough, tough Ole Miss team to beat. And Ole Miss is a team that has size. They have length. They can neutralize Tolu Smith. It doesn't look good for the Bulldogs in this stretch that I said you know might define their season. They needed to get two out of these four. They're going to be lucky to get one. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss has not lost at home this year. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're perfect at home so far this season. Will it stay that way? We'll have to have to wait and see. Um. That's actually going to be a fun game to, to break down and to really look at the matchups that uh, that we'll see coming up next Tuesday night. But got a little work to do between now and then. We'll talk about Ole Miss's win over the Arkansas Razorbacks last night. There was one team that looked excited to play basketball and one team that really looked like they would prefer to be just about anywhere but in that 94 feet inside the paint. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Take a timeout. We're back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Leave it 
Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Hey, Dad, you like it when I throw mind-boggling numbers at you, don't you? Oh, you know that I do. I don't know if this completely falls into the mind-boggling category, but I do think it's interesting. You know, um, ESPN does the win probability chart for games, and it's always it's always funny when like a team has a 95% chance of winning and then something crazy happens, and it drops down to like 2%, and then maybe it goes back up or maybe it doesn't. Yeah. Last night, Ole Miss-Arkansas basketball, two minutes and 27 seconds into the game, with 17.33 to go in the first half, Jalen Murray stepped to the free throw line, and he made the first of two free throws. At that point, the score in the game was 8-2, to two, and ESPN's win probability Gave Ole Miss an 82.9% chance of winning the game. Two and a half minutes in. The win probability for Ole Miss never went below 80% for the entire game. And Ole Miss's lead just got bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, it it really hovered over 90% for most of the game last night. As Ole Miss got a 26-point win. Uh, Ole Miss was a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Arkansas last night. We talked about that yesterday. If it had been four times that, and you had laid 26 last night in favor of Ole Miss, you would have gotten a push. That's not supposed to happen in SEC basketball. That's not supposed to happen when the opponent is the Arkansas Razorbacks. Let's start with Ole Miss. The Rebels were good last night. Um, They got uh, 21 out of Jalen Murray in 33 minutes. Look at that. He gets a bunch of shots, and he's efficient and scores at a high volume. Go figure. 8 of 15 from the field, 3 of 6 from behind the arc. They got a double-double from Alan, uh, Alan Flanagan with 10 points and 11 rebounds. And that was on 12 shots. That was It was a better night for Alan Flanagan all the way around. 18 points from Matthew Morrell on 7 of 13 shooting. Brakefield had 11 points. Not a great shooting night. He was 4 of 10. Out of their big men, Musa Cisse provided 2 points and 7 rebounds, and Jamarian Sharp provided 9 points and 5 rebounds to go along with 3 blocks. It was a pretty good night for the bigs for Ole Miss as well. 47% from the field, 37% from three, and eight of ten from the free throw line. Arkansas was with, without its best player. Um, guy was averaging 18 points a game coming in. Uh, Trevon, uh, what's his name, Borky? Marks? Yes. Trevon Marks. Um, leading scorer for the Razorbacks. Did not play last night. He was dealing with migraines. Quick migraine side note. There are those who are like, oh, he didn't play because he had a migraine. What a wimp. You fall into the category of people who have never actually had a migraine. I have not. I will raise my hand and thankfully say I have never had a migraine. But I've seen my wife have one. It's not a headache. It is a headache. We were driving back from Starkville. And it happened as we were leaving. We stopped in Oklahoma 
at the uh, the Oklahoma Mall, the Dodge store there, coming home, and she laid over in the car and was like seeing stars and blacking out and felt like she was going to throw up and split it. People that have real migraines, they are absolutely debilitating. So if a guy legitimately had a migraine, you're not playing in a SEC basketball game. If somebody tells you they're having migraines and they play in a game, they're not having a migraine. They're having a headache. There's a big difference. So, anyway, got that out of the way. We can move on. People sometimes. It's kind of like when somebody tells you they got the flu, but they just decided to go to work anyway. No, you didn't. You got a stomach bug. You got a virus. You weren't feeling well. You don't have the flu. The flu is what knocks you out and puts you in the bed for four days. Anyway, I digress. Um, Ole Miss was good. Wouldn't have mattered Arkansas's if best player didn't score. It would not have mattered one iota if he had played in that basketball game. And Arkansas looked like they wanted to be anywhere but playing basketball at the Pavilion last yeah. night. So, so, so there it is, and we'll hit on Ole Miss in a second. But you talked about it yesterday, you, so you don't like to use the Q word. What do we think? I hate to accuse a team of quitting. But that's as close to what it looked like as I've seen it. And look, there's a lot of basketball still to play. Arkansas's got 12 conference games remaining. Who's who's next? Is it Kentucky? For, for Arkansas? Yes, who's next? They have Kentucky at home on Saturday. They got Kentucky coming to Bud Walton Arena. Here's off the loss. Th- th- think about that. Uh, off two losses and off five out no, of the I mean, last Kentucky six. coming off a loss. Oh, yeah. Kentucky yeah. coming off a loss. Yeah. Ugh. Yikes. I almost anticipate that that's like Arkansas's last stand. I mean, you got to remember, they've got to win at home over Duke this year, and that's yeah. a great home court advantage. But in their last home court uh, game at home, they got popped pretty good. Um. Against South Carolina. They got punched in the mouth last Saturday. If Kentucky rolls in, and it'll be full on Saturday, in front of 19,000 at Bud Walton Arena, and Arkansas gives the effort that it gave last night against Ole Miss, they will get booed out of their own building. That will not be a pretty sight. No. And, you know, it's a conversation for another day, but if that does in fact happen, well, you're a professional. That's what prof- the treatment professionals get. But, it, you know, it, it sounds like you're taking away from Ole Miss because Ole Miss played well last night. I mean, they, they were aggressive in rebounding. They, they shot the basketball well, uh, moved with a purpose offensively, all that stuff. But, hey, that brought up the Q word. There was a, a point in the first half where Arkansas cut it to six, I think it was Brakefield had an and one, and then a couple more made shots, and Ole Miss extended the lead out again. But there was a couple of periods in the second half where Ole Miss got offensive boards that Arkansas did not try for. Where Ole Miss was just able to rebound a miss like it was the NBA All-Star game and just go right back up with it and get two points out of it. Again, Ole Miss played well. It's not taking away from that, but... What the heck happened to Arkansas? It's funny. I was thinking about a particular play, and I just flipped it, and and there's the highlight on ESPN's webpage. So you got Jamin Brakefield about 26 feet from the basket, top of the key, and he gets the ball 
two steps beyond the three-point line. And in a straight line to the basket, you have an Arkansas defender that is one step inside the free throw line at the SEC logo, and you have another Arkansas defender that is under the basket in the restricted area. Those are the only two guys. There's an Ole Miss player down there under the basket as well. But there are two defenders between Jamin Brakefield and the basket when he gets the ball beyond the three-point line. He goes one dribble, one step, blows by the defender at the free-throw line, and goes airborne from outside the restricted area circle for a tomahawk jam down the middle of the lane. Yeah. And it was... I mean, it was a great play. Got the crowd going. People explode out of their seat. One dribble, one defender olays. The other one kind of steps up, and then he's like, ah, he kind of made a business decision. That's not supposed to happen in an SEC game. Nope. That's what you see in the NBA All-Star game, where their main goal is put on a show and do not get hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. It was bizarre. And and look, I know Jamarian Sharp is 7'5", and, and Cissé is 7'0". Ole Miss has some length, but that's a bad rebounding team generally. Ole Miss has been. And they dominated Arkansas on the glass. Dominated them. Yeah, they did. They didn't do that to Detroit Mercy. But they did it to Arkansas. Uh, Ceasefire text line. I have a Razorband, uh, Razorback fan as a client, and he is a season ticket holder, and he says they have quit. Uh, I had a migraine and was found in a parking lot near work. I tried driving home. I didn't make it before my vagal nerve shut down, and I passed out so I wouldn't feel the pain. Woke up in a hospital with my clothes cut off. Fun. Yeah, that's a real migraine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, That that that's what we're talking about. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. We will be back with you after this short timeout in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Yo, man, let's get out of here. Word to your mother. Number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. I feel like once again, we need to explain the point of the fishy line exercise. Our fishy line of the week each week brought to you by PTG Outdoors. I understand all three games we talked about yesterday. Michael Borky was patently wrong on his okay, Clippers Cleveland Cavs. I, 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 know, I know, but he was wrong. You by were the wrongest. They, they covered by so like wrong. They won by ten. It was six and a half, and so you had the other three. team winning by ten. No, I didn't. Mm, okay. Anyway. 
What? You oh, loved the Cavs oh. in that game over uh, over. Was it the Cavs? The Clippers. It was the Clippers. Don't attribute the thoughts no, to it me was the that Cavs. I don't have. But I didn't say they were going to win by ten. That never came out of here. I thought yeah. you said convincing win against the uh, Milwaukee team. That's long. Okay, anyway, point was Borky looked at that line. He's like, that just doesn't make any sense. Hence, Turns fishy out line. It did but make a lot of sense. Vegas kind of knows what they're doing. We talked about the Auburn-Alabama game in great detail yesterday. Did it make sense that Alabama was a favorite? They weren't the ranked team. Auburn was the hot team. Auburn was the only undefeated team in the SEC. Alabama covers. By the way. Well, they won outright. Well, they they won and covered. It was a a three-and-a-half-point line. They won it by four. If there had been been six-tenths of a second remaining instead of five-tenths of a second remaining... They would not have covered on the ball that uh, Jalen Williams threw at beats. the buzzer. Yeah, it would have been a bad beat. Yeah. No question. Yeah. And then, hey, Dad, you uh, you peeked up to Big Ten country yesterday, and you thought that it didn't make sense that Illinois was only a what was it three and a half point favorite, four and a half, three and, point and a half, favorite? I think. Yeah, yeah against Northwestern. Game went to overtime. Northwestern won it in overtime. So yes, the three games that we pointed to the favorites all ended up winning. And we looked at him and we were like, that doesn't make sense. So from the standpoint of you're a sports investor and you look at it and you go, that line doesn't make sense. It's like they are begging you to take the side that doesn't make sense. So are you smart? And you go, nope, I'm not falling for that. That's a sucker line. I'll roll with it. Or do you go against it and hope that you're smarter than they are? That's the whole point of the exercise with the fishy lines. Brought to you by PTG Outdoors. PTGoutdoors.com. But if Elliot, we were smarter than they are, we, we none of us would be sitting here. Yeah. But Elliot, by the way, brings up a great point from something that we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, Kayshawn Booty's <laughs> gambling habits. Mm-hmm. In the affidavit, it came out that he bet on his player prop over in the Florida State game in 2022. You yeah. guys remember how he acted during that game? The, I do not. So, I, I remember after that game, we, we came on Was here. it yards or touchdowns or what? It was yards, like 86 and a half or something like that. Okay. And he didn't get the ball. And everybody was talking about he his body language was awful. He was yelling at his quarterback. He was pitching a fit. He was carrying on. Even though it was a close game, he was acting like they were getting beat by 40. Now we know why. Because he bet on himself. And he wasn't going to hit the over on his player prop at 86.5 or whatever it was yards in the game. He had two catches for 20 yards. It was part of an eight-leg parlay. You recall that game was played on a Sunday night. My guess is he had hit the other seven. And was just needing to catch the ball to... (laughs) To get that eight-leg parlay, maybe get a big payday. I'd be losing it too, Kayshawn. I, I respect it. But that that Bud just saying that triggered my memory because I remember we talked about that. We were like, what the heck? I mean, I know it's not fair to judge Brian Kelly after one game, but that team looked miserable, specifically booty. And Did he have he was, some drops in that game also? I don't remember if he had drops or not, but I remember him... 
yelling at Daniels and carrying on and acting a fool during that game, and people thought it was weird. Like, why was he acting like that? It was a close game. Lock in and play. Now we know why. That's crazy. Malik Neighbors had a tough night that night. He, he ended up being yeah. okay. Turned out okay. He's okay. Yeah. Man, there are people predicting LSU to win like 11 games and compete for the SEC. they got to replace their entire offense, and that was the only thing they were good at last year. Can we pump the brakes a little bit? Like, like there are other teams in the league. I think you're talking about that... baseball. Well, I, think, but... I think you're talking about baseball. There's no way. There's no way anybody's nobody. Come the, on. The, watch. You watch this offseason. LSU's going to get a ton of hype, buddy. They're going to get a ton of hype. Not from Not us. Not on this show. But they're going to get this it. Show. They're going I have them it. last year. Look where that got me. Never again. Well, they did have the Heisman Trophy winner and possibly the best offense in the history of college football. <laughs> I couldn't have predicted LSU with Harold Perkins and Mason Smith and those guys to have the worst defense in the school's history. I, I, I couldn't predict that. You remember that show last summer when I said, what if Jaden Daniels has a better season than Caleb Williams? And then we all kind of laughed about it when I said it. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Oh, yeah. Every great <laughs> once in a while. What if Blake Shapin has a better year than Jackson Dart? <laughs> no chance. Say it, Richard. Say it out loud. That, that's my shtick, not yours. It doesn't work when you do it. Say it. Sorry, bud. Say it, Richard. Bad, bad news for you. Bad news. Four o'clock hour. John Sunvold joins us next. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again, 4 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. It's time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Joining us this afternoon is ESPN, SEC Network, college basketball analyst John Sunvold. John, we have a video stream, and uh, when we have guests on the phone, Michael Borky uh, puts a picture of the guests, and he chose a, uh, a very flattering picture of you in a Miami Heat uniform, perfect form. <laughs> Looks like you're letting one fly from the perimeter. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I hope it's in color, not black and white. I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but let's not, you know, I hope it's in color. That's all I hope. It, it is in color, so that's, uh, that's good. <laughs> hey, defending the home floor has always been a big deal. It feels, and there are a few there are a few circumstances where it hasn't been the case, but this year that's magnified even more. Teams are winning at home, and it feels like it's harder than ever to win on the road. Is there anything to that? Yeah, I think historically, uh, I don't care what league you're in, um, the best leagues historically, in order to win a conference championship, uh, or even to maintain up in the upper half of any league, uh, you've got to win at home. Um, you might stub your toe once, but other than that, you can't afford to. Uh, the better the league is, kind of like the SEC is this year, the better the league is, the much more difficult it is to go on the road and try to find a win. Uh, even the bad teams 
uh, in this league, let's call whomever bad. You and I had the uh, Missouri-Georgia game. You know, Georgia gets a win at the end. You had the South Carolina-Missouri game. South Carolina gets a win on the road uh, with a last, basically a last-second shot. So yeah. I think it's it's so hard, and you've watched these games the last few nights. Uh, you know, home teams, home crowds, uh, obviously uh, Ole Miss, their crowd is different than it's been, right? So all these... South Carolina was packed the other night, and that was Kentucky. So, But you get that win, and we know, all of us know, now going to Columbia, South Carolina, they're going to have a great crowd. So, you know what? The better the league is and the more consistent the teams are, it's so difficult to win on the road. And for the most part, you, you always have to have a guy, uh, a guy that's a difference maker. And whether, if it's a, if it's a, if it is all league player, if it's a first team all conference player, that guy usually decides some games on the road. Now, if it's an all American, he decides three or four games on the road, and that's usually the teams that are going to win. He'll finish first, second, or third, especially in the SEC. So I'm not going to ask you to say who, ask you who's winning the conference, but who do you believe in right now? You got Auburn, who lost for the first time in league play last night, tough environment in Tuscaloosa. Alabama lost at Tennessee last weekend. Uh, Tennessee's one loss is at Mississippi State. Then you got a group of South Carolina, Kentucky, Georgia, all with two losses. Who do you truly believe in right now in the SEC? I think the team that uh, uh, that is stepping out a little bit, and the reason is is because one guy is doing it is is Tennessee. Uh, Dalton Connect is now. They're now running stuff for him offensively that gives them an entirely different machine to work with than they did in November or December, and maybe even early January. So now you've got a guy on a high roll of confidence that has been able to get over 30 in league play, and they can run things for him. And so, so now, now you say option two and three are Vescovy and Josiah Jordan-James and Ziegler, where they used to be the first option. Yeah. So now all of a sudden they've just elevated to a different level because we know they'll be on defense. They'll, they'll play great defense. We know that. But if offensively we've always thought if Tennessee could ever have that one guy that changes, I think that's them. Uh, Auburn answered a lot of questions last night because Alabama got off to a start – in, in towards the end of that first half where you thought, gee, they could blow this out. And they couldn't. Now, great win for Alabama. I like the Alabama team, but I think Auburn made a point, too, that they're not an easy out either. And, you know, I've had Kentucky. I know they didn't win and didn't have a great game in South Carolina, but you have a mixture of great young talent, uh, great young talent. And then you've got two veteran players, that in Reeves and Trey Mitchell, who all of a sudden that balances off, so you've got maturity, you've got young. So, I mean, it's going to be a great, great battle. for so Whoever wins this league, uh, they're going to be scarred and they're going to be beat up, but I think it's going to be fabulous to watch. I had a conversation with a former SEC basketball coach on Tuesday night. It was right before the end of that South Carolina-Kentucky game, and he said this is good for the league. He was pointing to South Carolina beating Kentucky. He said because when Kentucky just runs away with it, everybody just assumes the rest of the league is bad. But when a Kentucky team that people believe is good finishes the year with three or four or five losses, that helps nationally the reputation of the SEC. Do you buy into that idea? 
Yeah, no doubt. No, no doubt about it. Um, everybody nationally is starting to look at Kentucky because of how they've played lately. And then for a South Carolina to beat them, it, it does wake up the rest of the country to, to how good the league can be and how good the league is. So there's no doubt. If you have any team that just goes through a conference, obviously I live in Missouri, so I see what Kansas normally does in the Big 12. Yeah. Even though the Big 12 is great, and I understand it's great, and they've won national championships, I personally think, well, it's not as good as some think because Kansas wins it every year. And if they do that, well, then there's something not quite right about the rest of the league. So, yes, it's, it's what it also does is takes a team like South Carolina, and they made a statement, and it wasn't a statement that they were some 500 club and they got a lucky win. Uh, they made a statement that they've only got a couple losses this year. Uh, their coach isn't happy that they're not ranked in the top 25. And they made a statement. And all of a sudden you go, wow, from an SEC standpoint, you go, hey, South Carolina is for real. Yeah, you're, you get a chance to win at home, and you're playing Kentucky at home. But, again, they look fantastic. And they have, because of the transfer portal, they've got some veteran players. And it changes everything because people, guys have transferred in. Some transfers work. Some don't work out as well. And South Carolina's got a group, Georgia's got a group, that all of a sudden you're looking going, and this, in one year, you can change who you are and the perception of who you are and get to the upper half of this league. That's amazing. Busy with John Sunvold uh, for a few more minutes, college basketball analyst for the ESPN and the SEC Network, and uh, I will say all-around good guy. When, when you look, John, at Arkansas, I, I, I don't like to say the Q word out loud, you know the the four letter Q word because I feel like that's a, a sometimes an unfair indictment on a team, but last night Arkansas looked to me like they wanted to be anywhere other than the Pavilion playing against Ole Miss. What's going on with the Razorbacks? Um, I I agree with you. So let's do the other side of the coin. When I was talking about South Carolina, what good the transfer portal can do, and then if we flip the coin, what can this other side do if it doesn't quite work out and players don't mesh? And that's Arkansas. Now, I will, before I say what I'm going to say, I will say this is the same team and the same group that beat Duke. So you go, okay, wow, wait a second. It's the same guys. But I'll say this, Richard. I've seen them in person. Uh, The game I had, they beat A&M on the last second shot. They were actually up nearly 20 in the first half. But as I sat there, I don't want to say I thought it might be the worst SEC team, but it's close to being one of the worst SEC teams. I mean, they weren't very good. They weren't cohesive. They didn't rebound. They didn't communicate on defense. Um, somewhat selfish on offense. It wasn't a Coach Must-type team. Now, can he change that? I don't know. He's been able to in the last few years. He's been able to magically put the right guys in the right place. But as you and I both watched last night, you're going, wow, they're missing pieces. They're just missing. Um, and from a competitive edge, they have not had that either. And if they don't have that, we know what Arkansas is like, right? Always athletic, always guard you, steals, ignite the crowd. Um, they've got a home game Saturday against Kentucky. Yeah. Obviously, I expect it to be full, but if that gets ugly, uh, you know, Arkansas fans won't be happy. And, that, and that's a challenge. Last thing for you, 
uh, lighthearted here. John Sunvold, one of the all-time greats at the uh, University of Missouri. What's the coolest thing about having your jersey hang in the rafters? Oh wow, what a question! I, I guess the I, I guess the older you get, um, those that don't know you or don't know me, um, some point it might surprise them that 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 your jersey's up there. Um, like, oh, that was you? Or, you? You used to do that? <laughs> that then that's how it is. Now the 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 cool part for a guy like me is that it gives you memories of great teams you played on and players you played with. But but yeah, I think from a standpoint, here's what's funny, Richard, as a broadcaster. We got thirty seconds. The other day, I was standing the other day with a player and from another team that I was broadcasting on and he asked if I played. And this was and I said, I did, and uh, that's my jersey up there. So you there there is something to be said about that. Wow. It's just just in case you need a point of reference, look up there right yeah, under that yeah. window. John, you're the best. Thanks so much for your time. Great catching up, and hope we can do this again soon. Thanks, Richard. Enjoyed it. I'll see you down the road. John Sunvolt joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We're back with you right after this. Our Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us Thursday afternoon. I mean, the story that John was telling right before the end there, is that kind of an all-time flex? Do you play? Uh, yeah, and that's my jersey. I'll start up there. <laughs> See? Yeah. yeah. In the, the subtleness of the flex, too, it would be different if the kids said, I was like, hey, that's my jersey up there. But no, the the, the player invited mm-hmm. the information. Yeah. Did you play? Invited it in there, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, right up there. there. All time great guy too. Sunvold's one of he is one of my absolutely f- favorites to work with. Um usually a couple of times a year. We're not paired together a, a whole lot, but he's a whole lot of fun and um really, really good basketball guy. I had forgotten that if you go back to Big Monday in the late 90s, early 2000s, you remember you had Ron Franklin as the play-by-play voice on Big Monday Big 12 games? John Sunbold was the analyst on those games as well, alongside Ron Franklin. So There were some black-and-white pictures uh, of him that, that I chose not to use. Uh, retro everything in sports is better. It's a, I mean, the, the the old Spurs and Heat jerseys and Missouri jerseys that he, that he wore, if you really want to go black and white, are so much better than the crap that everybody's wearing today. So much better. And, like, you're seeing it in football, too, right? Like, the, the Eagles bring back, what is what do they call it, the Kelly Green? Kelly oh, Green, those yeah. Are really good. And they're amazing. And the Bucks have the uh, the creamsicles that they used to wear, and they are amazing. What we need to 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 scrap the modernization of jerseys and go back to the old school. I love the Saints old gold. Yes. The, the, it's it's not really gold. It's more like a darker yellow. Doesn't a lot of time a lot of times 
doesn't that stuff have to go away for it to be popular on a comeback? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, I agree with that. I can't tell you how excited people were, if, if you don't remember this, when Ole Miss went away from the powder blue helmets and brought Navy helmets back. People went nuts. Oh, the greatest-looking helmets. And then there was mm-hmm. no powder blue for... And then it, fl- it flipped. Fi- 15 years, 18 years, 20 years, however long it was. And people were like, oh, what are you going to bring... And then they do, and people go nuts over the powder. Look blue. at look at look at the reaction for state bringing back the interlocking stuff. Yeah. this year. Now I will say that when state went to the Croom uniform, it was immediate. Like, no, we don't want this. Go back to what we had. But after twenty five years of not seeing it, yeah, it was huge. Ole Miss has gone through a number of different styles on their basketball uniforms. And if you go back and look at some of the uniforms that were worn probably right after Keith Carter, so like late Rod Barnes, early Andy Kennedy, I mean they rolled some crap out there. But if you go back a little farther to the Gerald Glass uniforms, now I'm not saying that we should go with the full-on shorty shorts, but uh, Ole Miss has kind of done the throwback uniforms a couple of times where they had like the old English block letters that spelled out Ole Miss. It's the best uniform they have presently. It's a really good look. Really good look. Retro is in, man. Now, you see that the, uh, the Yankees are looking at tweaking their road gray uniforms? So right now the road grays for the Yankees have I mean, they've got the blue and white stripe on the end of the or the edge of the the sleeve. That's about it. I mean that, there's not much else to them. They're looking at taking that away and going back to solid gray with nothing but New York across the chest. Yeah, that's the way. It like reminds you of the old gray flannels mm-hmm. or the old gray wool uniforms. That's the way. And also, I think teams, maybe not the Lakers, but I think teams should get their old names back. Like the Utah Jazz. No, it's New Orleans. Give it back to New Orleans. Okay. The Houston yeah. Oilers. Then what does Utah become? Utah could be the Lakers. You got to think of one right there. But Borky was going to give the Lakers an exception and say that. Yeah, because they're, they're just so. They, they've yeah. earned keeping that. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, Houston won the Battle of the Oilers, right? They, they went up to Nashville on the day the Titans were wearing Oilers uniforms, and they won. So now Houston should have won the rights to be the Oilers whenever they see fit. So what would you make Tennessee? Oh, they're the Titans. They're the Titans. Yeah. Oh, oh, Houston just gets so fine, to use yeah. it now. Yeah, because the, the Titans okay. have been they, so, they wore the Oilers throwback, and that's not yeah. right because there's a team the, in Houston. The Thunder... The Thunder have the rights to all the Sonics stuff, but if Seattle gets another team, they have to be the Sonics. Oh, and they're going to get You have to give them that. They're they're getting a team. Well, then when that happens, there needs to be something. The NBA has to make it where all the supersonic stuff goes back to Seattle. Yeah. Is Grizzlies one of the better transitions from old city to new city and new city kind of embracing the team and the mascot? But they went with a full-on color change also. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they went from like teal to that navy, almost like a navy. Yeah, but it works. I think the, it works. They, well, it's common. It's like three different blues. Those old yeah. Grizzlies uniforms think, are awesome, though. They are. Yeah, awesome. 
They had um, there was a blog that covered the Grizzlies at one point that was called Three Shades of Blue. Like yeah, yeah. But yeah. then one of them, one of them they called Beale Street Blue, I think. So yeah, well, lean into the lean into it. So Ansu Cisse was a supersonic, right? I'll have to I'll trust remember. you on that. And the reason I ask, because he played in the G League in my hometown for the Greenville Groove. And I remember my dad was like, Michael, like that guy's different than everybody else. He's going to play in the NBA. Sure enough, he did. But the the Groove wore these lime, lime, like fluorescent lime green uniforms. It was like hard to watch them play because they shined back at you like a spotlight. And I'll never forget watching Cissé in that lime green just dominating. Yeah. Hey, Dad, where is Lane Kiffin in Starkville? Or is this just a picture that he grabbed off uh, grabbed off the interwebs? We're, we're going to grab a dinner at Restaurant Tyler as soon as I get out of here. Okay. A little crawfish dip, maybe a stuffed pancake for dessert. But do you what, do you recognize that room? Yeah, it's at the airport. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Starkville, to my knowledge, Starkville High doesn't have a top flight prospect for 2025. So, I don't know why he's here. I don't know. Maybe he and Lebby are going for dinner. Yeah, maybe so. Huh? Old buddies just getting together. If you and I can get lunch together, they can they can eat together. Hey, the joint was good. It was good. It was, good place it was to eat. Very good. Uh, you can be a uh, part of the conversation with us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. That's the Ceasefire text line. Ceasefire customer inspired. So John Sunvold's take was not entirely different from what we said earlier about Arkansas. If they go home on Saturday and they play against Kentucky the way they have the last couple of games, I'm not sure that Bud Walton Arena is going to be a fun place for the home team. No. No. I mean, that fan base, they, they will not accept that kind of play. From from that team, I mean, they they have a standard that they hold their hogs to, and they they will expect it to be reached. And if it's not, yeah, you're right. They it will go. It will get ugly. I mean, that's a game where Kentucky goes into the locker room up like 15 points or something like that. It's going to be ugly going in. Absent Vanderbilt, because they're just an outlier. Is there a fan base in the SEC that's worse off right now than Arkansas? I mean, I feel bad it, for them. It's funny you say that, Borky. Jane and I were sitting there watching the game and um, last night, and she goes, it's been kind of a bad little while for Arkansas, hasn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it has. They're good in baseball. I mean, their best football season recently was beating Kansas in the Liberty Bowl. Otherwise, they've been a dumpster fire for quite some they time. They won nine games the year before that. Come on. I said recent. But... That is recent. It was the year before. But they, they've been largely awful in football. Awful. Yeah. For, for hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me, may I turn Haydad's argument back on himself? If you they can. won a national championship in baseball two years ago. Come on, man. It hasn't been that long. 
But no, no, that, that, that's those two different things. He said their best season recently was, oh, okay. and I said they won nine games the year before. Long story short, football's been a disaster there. And now basketball's falling apart. And not only football's yeah. a disaster, they got nothing to cling to. It's running it back with Pittman, portaling not very and, well, staff hiring making you scratch and, your head. And real quick in baseball, they've watched State, Ole Miss, and LSU win the last three national titles. When they had a chance to do it, they <laughs> dropped the foul ball. Oh. And when they had another chance to do it, they got beat by Ole Miss. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. So the entire state of Louisiana is dealing with an exceptional drought. Exceptional is the worst rating on the five-level U.S. drought monitor scale. Uh, 90% of the state of Louisiana is currently in that level five category, compared to only 3% of the state of Louisiana in drought conditions just three months ago at least the worst drought conditions. They're coming off the second driest summer in history. Louisiana, locally, may have changed a little bit, but in New Orleans they got 7.82 inches of rain all of last summer. The average is 21.3. This is not an LSU football joke, by the way. There's not an LSU punchline at the end of this. It's something that many of us kind of hold near and dear to our heart. That's going to be really expensive. We have made it to crawfish season, and if you have seen prices, your love of mud bugs is going to be tested this year. Um, There is a crawfish app that uh, tracks crawfish prices across 16,000 businesses and restaurants, and a, a pound of boiled crawfish right now is going for more than $13. $13 a pound. Going to be honest, I'd pay it. Not as much as I do every year, but there's going to be a spring day where it's going to be like 76 degrees, and and a local establishment's going to have like a happy hour in crawfish boil, and if it's 26 bucks for two pounds of crawfish... I will spend the 26 bucks on two pounds of crawfish. I won't do that every weekend, but I will do it sometimes. I love them that much. I don't know that the issue is going to a place that serves crawfish and buying the tray. I mean, you know, okay, if it costs 40 bucks to eat, so be it. It's the people that do crawfish boils and host parties. Yeah. And you go buy 100 pounds of crawfish, and for 100 pounds of crawfish, you're used to paying four or $500, and now it's triple that? Yeah. Hey man, you want to boil 100 pounds of crawfish and have a party for, what, 20, 25 people? And it cost you $1,300? Man, that's rough. So January of 2020, COVID year, it was right before COVID set in, boiled crawfish was going for four ninety nine a pound. 
It was an incredible year for crawfish. Last year it was up to 604 a pound on average. And now it's more than double that. Largely because of the drought. There there is really very few things that pair better in this world than a Saturday afternoon, a cold beer, a crawfish some apparatus holding crawfish in front of you and a college baseball game just above that. Preferably from the outfield. The worse seats, the better for some reason. Dwayne and Brandon says, boil them yourself. Well, you can save a little bit of money, but even live crawfish are expensive. I hadn't seen live prices. Let's see here. I don't know. Does bourbon go with crawfish? Sure, but not uh, not as well as a a really light beer. Oh yeah, bourbon and crawfish—that that's heavy. Um, let's see here. Twenty twenty one live crawfish prices dollar seventy five a pound. Uh, last year they were more like two forty nine a pound. This year expected to be in the seven to eight dollars a pound range for live crawfish. That's if you're going to do all the work yourself. So, Somebody on anyway. the text line says, too much work to peel. Then you're peeling them wrong. You're just peeling them wrong. It's like three steps. No, yeah, once you get all. the hang of it, it's not tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I said most of the crawfish businesses aren't selling sacks live because they aren't getting enough to sell them that way. They've got to sell them boiled to make their money. Okay. Uh, A. Ron and Madison says, so is Ole Miss softball still going to have free crawfish on SEC Saturdays? I don't know the answer to that. Ole Miss softball is barely going to have a stadium this year. They are completely rebuilding the stadium, and there will be a very limited amount of outfield seating, and I think that's it. I mean, it's an ongoing construction zone. Let's pretend it wasn't, though. I kind of have a feeling plans might be altered a little bit in the free crawfish in the outfield thing if it's three times as expensive as it was previously. What a great promotion, by the way. That's how you get people to the softball game, right? there, Or the baseball game, whichever. If you're having an outdoor event and part of the advertisement is free crawfish, people are coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, these pictures that Tim sent us. Good grief, would you look at the crawfish boil. He Is that a new picture or an old picture, Tim? Yeah, Are you buddy. guys thumbs up or no on the uh, on the spicy corn in the cob that comes out of out of the crawfish? I'll leave Two thumbs people. up. I, I, I love it. I do, too. I don't like the potatoes, but I like the corn. See, I I'm love with the potatoes. I'm completely out on the ah. potatoes. Corn. Potatoes, mushrooms, crispy. Yeah, the best potatoes are the ones I'm with you. that soak like in there for thirty minutes. I mean, just really get soft and absorb nah. all that. That's the best. And the mushrooms nah. too. I don't want squishy red potatoes. Yeah, I'm, I'm out on that. At that point, just mash them and put gravy on them for guys. Yes. Yeah, I don't even have to have gravy. I mean, just good mashed potatoes with plenty of butter. I'm okay with that. Nah. But I don't need squishy potatoes. Well, not that, but not squishy, like squishy, squishy, but 
enough where you can still hold them and they're intact and take bites out of them and it's not difficult to do the sweet spot. No, I get what you're saying. I just I don't I don't love the potatoes and crawfish. I like the corn. I don't mind the fact that it burns my lips off as I eat the <laughs> corn on the cob that was in the crawfish boil, and I like the mushrooms. I don't love the potatoes. That's me. So I had a waitress a couple weeks ago. So I went to a place and and got a steak, and the steak came with corn on the cob. I didn't ask for it. It just came with it, which is fine. It was good. It was grilled corn on the cob. But I I took my fork, and I I stuck my fork in the side of it because they had one whole corn that they cut in half. And I stood it up on the plate and took my knife and cut down the sides. So instead of having to pick up the corn and eat it like that, I I just cut it all off. And as I'm doing that, she walks over and says, what are you doing? I was like, I I like it better, you know, this way. And she said, I've never seen or heard of anybody doing that before in my life. And I Hmm. thought, here I am thinking, this is like normal behavior. And she thought I was an alien, like from the whatever galaxy. I've never understood why it's called corn on the cob. It's the natural state of corn. It should just be corn and there should be corn off the cob. That's a good point. I li- I'd like it off the cob. I, I mean, she she it's better on like, the cob. She was trying to shame me into cutting. Just all you do is just take a knife and just go down. Just boom, 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 t- and it all comes off quickly. And it's so much easier to eat. Well, you've got braces, right? I mean, it was giving you trouble. I had them for a long time to the point where I habit formed on it. Yeah, but, but I was going to say you. But you've got braces now, right? No, because that's the only reasonable explanation for cutting the corn off of the cob. When it's not already prepared that way, and you're a grown man, it's just better. It's easier. Typewriter that thing, man. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, we cut it off the cob for our kids that have braces, or little ones that can't quite handle it. Maybe it's too uh, too hot, but yeah. Once <laughs> the braces the are gone, so you get the little little yellow yeah. things you stick into the, the ears. ears and you just get after it. Yeah, you know what? Those things can be absolute heck on a garbage disposal. Cause me to have to replace a garbage disposal. I promise. I believe. No, I totally and, and believe. It's, it. And it's really easy for those to slip down into the disposal. You don't see it. You flip it on your. Nothing like, worse than hitting that, that noise and hearing that sound of metal hitting metal. You're like, oh god, what's in there? Yeah, yeah. And then it's almost impossible to get your hand in there to pull it out. And you're like, you're trying to like kick Uncle away Junior. to make sure that nobody's. Close to the switch. Please don't turn that switch on with my hands in here. Ooh. That's a scary. You almost have to go with tongs or needle nose pliers down into the garbage disposal, disposal <laughs> to try and put ev- pull out whatever is ailing it. Yeah. Dwayne and Brandon says, Borky, that's a great way to eat corn. Uh, Borky, this is a little weird. Uh, you guys are going to have to stop talking about this. My wallet is hurting just uh, thinking about it. Poll yeah. question time. How do you prefer the corn? On the cob, off the cob. Send it, Borky. Ooh. But, but I'm weird, though. I like the way it's pre- like grilled corn is really good, but I will cut it off and, and eat it that way. But see, hey, Dad, that changes my answer. Like, do you prefer... Mm-hmm. Cream corn or corn on the cob? I prefer cream corn. No, no. Corn on the cob. I prefer cream corn. But if I am eating corn on the cob, I'm certainly not 
cutting it off of the cob so that I can eat it with a fork. That's just weird. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. False. Jim Harbaugh left the Michigan Wolverines because he was scared of what the NCAA was going to do to him. False. False, but. Oh. He tried to get the Vikings job I a mean, couple years ago. Yeah, he, he was ready to go to the NFL, but the, the situation Michigan's finding itself in probably didn't help him. I mean, when he tried to get the uh, the Vikings job, they, they, they weren't what they are now. They weren't the national champions. If all this other stuff wasn't coming their way, he might have hung on for another year, tried to run it back a little bit. It was really hard to get to this point at Michigan. It was a slow build. It took a while for yeah. him to turn the corner, and then they got great, and they still couldn't quite get over the hump. They were kind of headed toward a rebuild this coming season. Maybe it was a reload. I don't know. I, I do... It is strange, excuse me, with how openly Michigan people, and when I say Michigan people, I'm talking like players, assistant coaches, administrators, how openly they talked about the fact that, yeah, we know he's looking at the NFL. We're just going to wait and see. Michigan did everything it could to keep him. I mean, Ward Manuel, who did not have the best working relationship with Jim Harbaugh, came out and said, Look, we offered to make him the highest-paid coach in the country. He wanted to explore the NFL and ultimately chose to return to the NFL. We wish him well. It, we, it, we are thankful for the tainted national championship he delivered. Yeah. I mean, and you've got people like Joel Klatt saying what, what he said today. and I mean, you, you've got other... What do you say? I'll read it to you. Let me uh, Let me find it here. He said... They're getting a notice of allegations for a recruiting dead period. Meanwhile, kids are pulling up to their national letter of intent signings in Lambos. What are we doing? Uh, first of all, Joel, the junior college wide receiver that pulled up to a signing day in a Lambo wasn't gifted that for signing. It was a rental. You can rent nice cars for special occasions. Go If you have children, you may or may not, just go and stand outside of the local high school's prom and what kind of cars those kids are rolling up in, buddy. Those are rentals. Some of them are daddy's cars. But you rent cars for nice occasions. good friend of mine did that. Rented a BMW, or his dad did for him. Uh, it happens. But th- this idea that, that Harbaugh it was fed up with the calendar, because you're seeing a lot of that today. And, oh, college Wait, people rent nice cars to go to prom in? Yep, they do. Absolutely. I thought groups rented limos for prom. That's what we did, but... Or just went. We, we did the limo thing. Hmm. Okay. Sorry. I mean, you've got people on Facebook Marketplace trying to sell their kids like $600 prom dress the day after they wear it. It's like, honey, uh, the value did not appreciate when your daughter wore that to prom. Good luck. But yeah. anyway, okay. you, you've got people doing the, well, the calendar is why he was leaving. And Jim Harbaugh is just fed up with the state of college football. He got suspended twice this year for cheating, for one. And two... That's a clear demonstration 
that you have no idea what Super Bowl champion means compared to national champion. Now, here in college football country, national championships like the epitome of the sport. Jim Harbaugh was a few minutes away from going to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl. There's no way you can tell me that a guy that competitive has not been thinking about that daily sense and wanting to get the opportunity to win that game back. The Super Bowl is the epitome of the sport. Regardless of what success you have at Michigan, winning a Super Bowl is higher than winning a championship at Michigan that might get stripped from you in a few years anyway. Everybody's trying to twist their brain into pretzels to make this about more than it is. He wants to go win a Super Bowl. He got close, fell short, wants to give it another shot. Why does it have to be more than that? Okay. Hey, Dad, yours was no but. Right. I just just feel like he might have tried to run it back, but no one, Michigan is going to take some. I think it's a combination of the NCAA is going to hit them, and they are losing a ton. And so at that point, he's like, eh, <laughs> my work here is done. Won a national title. Back to the pros. He seems like a guy that's always up for the next challenge, too. He was a better player than people kind of remember for and kind of overachieved. He was in the NFL and did a really good job, went to college, Took a little while to build Stanford up. Got it going. Michigan to open up. Took a little while to get it going. Got a national championship. And now he's got a new challenge. And when you strip away everything else, he seems to be pretty good at the uh, the coaching of ball. You know, whether it's through game planning or CEO or how he drives the organization, He's been good at every level as a player mm-hmm. and as a coach. So maybe the Chargers are onto something. I wonder if I wonder if Justin Herbert's excited about this. He should be. That dude got a ton out of Colin Kaepernick. He did. Herbert's a lot more talented. And also out of um oh in college at Sanford. Uh Luck. Andrew Luck. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk Mississippi. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship courses that you can play, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Oaks and the Azaleas, um... DancingRabbitGolf.com. That's where you go if you want to book a tee time or plan a trip. Ceasefire text line is open at 601 879 4395. 
Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. 601-879-4395. That's the number for you to join us and be a part of the conversation. Let's, uh, Let's jump in right now to the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Um, I think we can talk about this as long as we credit the content. He's put it on uh, Twitter. So Chase Parham at uh, rebelgrove.com, which is part of the Rivals Network, did a uh, little bit of digging and is, I think, tomorrow putting out a, a fiscal, uh, a monetary story about Ole Miss Athletics. But he teased it with some individual sport revenue numbers. And uh, these are for fiscal year 2023. If I remember correctly, Ole Miss's fiscal year ends in... I think it's June 30th. I think the new fiscal year starts on July 1st. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's right. So, um, football, revenue, seven, I'll round so we don't get into te- tedious numbers. $72.5 million in revenue. $72.5 million. How long ago was it? That that wasn't even the entire department's budget. Uh, it's probably... 15, 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. $72.5 million in revenue on $60 million expenses for a $12 million net profit for football. Men's basketball, $12 million in revenue. Almost sixteen million in expenses, a net loss of a little over three and a half million. Part of the revenue for men's basketball is tied to postseason play and the television contract. So they kind of break the TV revenue out among the sports that factors in. That's not just a athletic department number. So season ticket sales were down, fan interest was down, that I would expect the revenue number to go up on men's basketball. It also includes a couple million dollars in buyout money. Yeah, I was going to ask, that's that's not typical in basketball. Basketball makes money at most major places, generally speaking, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's a smaller venue than a lot of places. Yeah. And there was not a ton of excitement. Attendance was down, which meant concessions were down and other things were down as well. So 12.3 in revenue, 15.9 in expenses, net loss of 3.6 in men's basketball. The revenue number will go up, but the expenses number is going to go up too. They are spending more money on men's basketball now than they ever have before. Baseball, 10.3. Two million in revenue, ten point oh five million roughly in expenses, 
a net profit of $166,000 for baseball. That's incredible. And I'm not being sarcastic. Making money, even if it's a dollar on college baseball, is extremely rare around the country. Yeah. We've talked uh, talked about it before. There are fewer than a dozen, maybe fewer than ten schools that operate in the black in college baseball. Two of them right here in Mississippi. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, USM's probably not far off, I would think. I don't know. You, you may be right. In, in the because answer. there's really no TV money, very little TV money that factors into baseball's revenue number. Right. And that's the thing, right? It's so that, that is just spending. a direct testament to fans, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. straight up just fans. That, that you guys go and you pay a lot to go, and therefore the program is what it is. Yeah, and I mean, there, there's a lot of premium seat revenue that is um, delivered for baseball with the seats behind home plate and the Diamond Club and the outfield seat. There are people that hated that tent beyond the outfield wall. It generated revenue. I mean, that's the reason that, that they did it. Um, all right, so I skipped one that, that uh, Chase had in these numbers. Women's basketball did a little over $1 million in revenue on almost $9.5 million of expense for a net loss of almost $8.4 million. What, wow. What's Coach Yo's salary? Over a million. About a million dollars. Roughly. Okay. Okay. Where is the rest of that? Like, I, okay, he's been a million in. Uh, in I mean, uh, assistant uh, assistant coach salaries, travel, recruiting budget, meals, all of the other things. All, all the stuff that, that goes into. A lot of money. And And look, I mean, there's a little bit of revenue there from ticket sales. But most of that revenue is going to be from postseason participation and a little bit of TV mm-hmm. money. So that 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 seems incredibly inefficient because it is. Yeah, but what are you going to do? You know, that's a very difficult conversation to have, and it's one that makes people uncomfortable, and it's one that people don't like. Because there are people that think that Keith Carter... I remember we talked about it at the time when there were some extension negotiations going on and there was a line of thinking from some Ole Miss fans, you know, just pay her whatever, whatever she had, just just pay it. She just wanted the Sweet 16. Right. Just, just, just... That, that, that is a... It's, it's a difficult thing, but it's reality. If you want your athletic department, and you can loop Mississippi State into this as well, because the the budgets aren't two hundred and fifty million dollars here like they are in College Station or Austin or Columbus, Ohio. They're half that. If you want football and men's basketball and baseball to compete at the highest level, you might have to make some emotional sacrifices elsewhere in your department. You can't do that though. You can't. So you have to pay a no, coach I mean, of a non-revenue. You don't have to pay a coach a million dollars. That, that's you what I'm talking about. Budgets. But look, you you. But but here's the thing. I mean, the the this is a Title IX conversation to some degree. If men's basketball travels in a certain way, women's basketball also travels 
in that same way. Period. There's not a debate about it. It's how it is. And and so you say, well, you got to cut expenses on the women's basketball side of things. Do you? I don't, I don't know if you can. You can in, in not those spots because because like there, there's no arg not that there's no arguing with you because you won't hear another side. There's literally no arguing with the point you just made. That that is uh, objective fact. I, I am it's speaking a, truth it here. Is this is this fact. is not opinion. But you don't have to pay the coach a million dollars, and that that upsets some people. But you don't have to. Hmm. You don't. You don't have to pay a, 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 a assistant pool and a support staff an additional two million dollars. And and that well, and that's hard decide. for people to hear. But but you yes yes is it is there enough of a difference for it to make sense? Do you say we field this team and therefore we're going to do what it takes to be competitive in this sport? I mean, maybe you do say that. You say, look, we compete in the SEC. We're going to give all of our student athletes the best chance they have to win, whatever that opportunity is, and we're going to give them the tools that they need. And you just realize that that's part of the cost of doing business? It can't be at the expense of your biggest revenue generator. I mean, you you can't give women's basketball things at the expense of giving football what it needs. And by the way, that's not an original thought. One of the more successful women's college basketball coaches who got it in a big, big way said, I want football to succeed. Whatever they want, they should get. Because when football does well, so does everybody else, especially my women's basketball team. That was from a women's basketball coach. Not everybody says that. She did. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. A lot of text messages, most of which we can read, some of which we won't. Uh, you can be a part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Question Do privately funded universities have to abide by Title IX? They do because even privately funded universities receive some government assistance. You know, whether it's through student aid programs like FAFSA or FAFSA, is it F-A-F-S-A, or Pell Grants or whatever that are available to college students across the board, yes, you have to abide by the Title IX rules. Um, yeah, you, you talk about the, the women's basketball piece at Ole Miss, so a loss of $8.3 million. By the way, there is a significant piece of debt service on Ole Miss's $95 million basketball arena. And so there is a, an expense line item in both the men's basketball expenses and the women's basketball expenses. 
that are not necessarily related to their sport, but that money has to be allocated somewhere. Do you have a ballpark of how much? Two, two and a half million a year. Oh, wow. Per. So even, so if you, if you take that out, which you, you can't, but if you do, even a horrible year in which you're paying a, a coach's buyout where nobody went to the games at any point during the season, nobody bought tickets, no, none of that. Men's basketball it, it still almost really cl- broke even. Basically break even. Yeah. Thanks to television, of course. Absolutely. So. Fascinating. And I mean, look, the, 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 the net number in football would be bigger than it is if you didn't have buyout money in there. You, know, you change assistant coaches, change head coaches, pay stuff out over time. A lot of that factors into the budget as well. Some overinflated, unnecessary spending. Which, hey, Dad, my guess is if you looked at Mississippi State's um, revenue and expenses for basketball, and I mean, they're going to be operating at a net loss. We, we know that. My guess is it's less of a net loss than it was when they really had it rolling under Vic Schaefer, because they're not spending oh, yeah, as I much yeah. on personnel and staff staff than they were then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Purcell makes making less than Schaefer made at his peak for sure. Yeah. So it's tough uh, though. It, it's it's such a an interesting conversation. Because do you look at it from a business perspective or an emotional perspective? Because if you're a Mississippi State fan, Southern Miss fan, Ole Miss fan, I know we have LSU and Alabama fans that listen too, you want your team that's wearing your uniform to win, right? Regardless of who they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people don't quote unquote care about men's soccer, but if your men's soccer team were to make a run in the NCAA tournament, you're going to watch, right? You're going to, hey, my my team's winning. That's great. You want them to win. You certainly don't want them to lose. Well, well winning requires investment, but everything but football and men's basketball on most campuses, baseball's unique here, loses money. So, from a business perspective, investing in Tennis, golf, volleyball, with the exception of Nebraska and Wisconsin. It's a, it's a bad investment because there is no return. You're just setting money on fire when you invest in your men's soccer team. Except that it's part of the intercollegiate model. Yes. And you, you have teams and there's a cost to doing business. So, so in, the, in the most recent fiscal year, football's revenue, football's net revenue, Funded men's and women's basketball, and the athletics department had to fund everything else with the rest of the cash that it has on hand. That's oversimplifying it, but that's basically how it is. And if you get to a scenario where you get basketball out of the red, then the combination of football and men's basketball fund women's basketball and a few other sports and then the athletics department has to come up with the rest of it from somewhere. Now, two, two things that I would say that are part of this discussion. You guys have heard me say this a million times. Maybe not a million. Probably ten. I don't know that anybody Somewhere else... Somewhere between in the, ten and a million. I don't know if anybody else in the world believes this, but this is my argument for... And, and it's probably less important now with the world that we're in. But in terms of determining spending based on Title IX requirements, 
I think football should stand alone. Football should be removed from the Title IX equation, and we should all recognize that football carries the load for everyone. And then, in all of your other sports, dollar for dollar, scholarship for scholarship, coach for coach, trainer for trainer, you got to match it all up. But take football out of the equation because it creates an unfair balance when they are carrying the financial load for the rest of the athletics department. But nobody really cares about that opinion. That's number one. Number two, here's the other thing, and we've talked about this. With where college athletics is headed, I think most reasonable people believe that some form of revenue sharing is on the horizon, that there's probably not any way around it. And if that is the case, all of the sports that are currently on your campus cannot survive. Cannot and will not. Unless, on the academic side of the university, they choose to dig into the coffers of the the, the university's coffers to say, we're going to support it. Because the athletics department itself will not have the revenue to continue to fund all of the sports that are currently funded if 20, 30, 40%, I don't know what, 10%, whatever the number is. So Ole Miss is not running on a bloated budget where there's tons of extra at the end of the year. Budget somewhere in the neighborhood of $130 million, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. If you said there's a 10% revenue share of all athletics department revenues and you remove $13 million from the top line of Ole Miss's athletics budget, there's sports that are going away, and there is no way around it, period. And that is what makes the head of the NCAA's proposal so stupid. And I know he's just trying anything at this point, but when he proposes a minimum salary paid by the school for all sports, that's exactly what will happen. You guarantee the demise of very important sports that don't make money. You guarantee it. When you treat the the starting running back the same as the second baseman, you're going to lose baseball programs. You're going to lose softball programs. If you treat the wide receiver the same as the setter, you're going to lose volleyball programs. It's going to happen. The quarterback and the libero are not the same thing. No. Or, or the number one on the golf team. I think, by the way, that is the first time the volleyball term libero has been used on Sports Talk Mississippi. Nailed it. I think. Probably hey, Dad, so, do you remember huh? a time where that has been said before? Not, not, not that I recall, no. Just to be completely honest, I've called a few volleyball games, not a bunch, and I'm still not sure that I could actually describe what the libero does other than move around and change positions. It's like free, a free safety. Yeah, yeah. Defensive specialist. Yeah. Good to know. Come in on third down to rush the passer. There you go. The libero is like a uh, a highly paid rush end. There you go. Yes. 
Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. We've got more coming, more to get to. We will uh, Let's hear from Chris Beard when we come back. After Ole Miss's win last night against the Arkansas Razorbacks, his thought uh, thoughts on the uh, game last night. Remind you that if you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota is the place to go. They're located on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Great selection of F-150s on the lot. Told you about it a couple of weeks ago. There are two full-size Ford Broncos that are on the lot right now. One is a white two-door one. One's a green four-door one. Fantastic looking. They got the big tires, and the they just look great. Ford Broncos, something that's interesting to you, you can check them out at Belk Ford. Check them out online at belkford.net or visit them on, in person on Highway 6 West. They've got service after the sale whether it's routine stuff like rotating tires and getting your oil changed or the more serious stuff that happens sometimes when that check engine light comes on, they'll take care of you at Belk Ford. Tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi, Belk Ford, Highway 6 West in Oxford. We're back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon, uh, for joining us in the Pearl River Resort studio. We, um, we talked some basketball early in the show. Ole Miss last night at home got a convincing 26-point win over the Arkansas Razorbacks. Hey, Dad, I can't help but wonder if I know Keith Carter wants to win every time any of his athletics programs step onto the playing field. But when the men's basketball team steps on the court against Arkansas, I, I, I can't help if he wants a little bit more against those guys. And they got a little bit more he's against those like, guys. He's just like any of the rest of us. He's a fan. He's got he's got his, his rivals. Yeah, I don't see why that's a controversial statement. Yeah, but I mean, a guy that... Grew up in the state of Arkansas playing basketball and no, I yeah, I get why yeah, yeah I, I hear you, I hear you. Um, what about Chris Beard? I think he's a fan of his team at least most of the time. Uh, after the game last night, sat down with uh, media folks and here was some of that uh, back and forth. Chris, uh, TJ went down midway through that first half. Is there kind of early evaluation of how that is? Um, no, I'm on my way to the training room after this. So, uh, tough break, man. TJ practiced really well this week, and I thought he was dialed in. Um, he was he was ready to play tonight. It started in practice, and today's shoot around, he had a kind of a different look in his eye. Um, so it's a tough break for us. But um, you know, Ray Bond 
is really, really good at what he does, our trainer. And uh, TJ will put in that time in the training room, hopefully be back sooner than later. Chris, what have you seen in the three games here at home that maybe you're not seeing or isn't translating in those three away games so far in conference play? Yeah, it's a good question. Just better basketball. You know, I, th- I think we've, um, yeah, better basketball. We played better defense. Offensive execution has been better. Um, you know, we have a game plan each game. Um, most of it is what we want to do. Um, a portion of it is who are we playing. And I thought, you know, the home games, I think we've executed the game plan uh, better than the road games. Talk about the energy that you guys have at home uh, with the fans and whatnot. Is there a way to create that in, in, in road environments? Ask me that one more time. <laughs> you talked about the energy uh, of the fans and the student section and all that stuff. Is there a way as a team to create that sort of energy for you guys on the road? Well, one thing I think is, um, you know, when we get this thing rolling, um, and I'm not talking about year two, I'm talking about when we get this thing rolling, you know, um, having Ole Miss people travel to road games. Uh, we see that certainly in football and baseball. So that'd be a next step uh, with our fan base, encouraging them to get that schedule early and kind of pencil in some dates. Uh, but we'd love to have more support on the road in the SEC. So that's one thing we could do. Um, you know, other than that, it's just about the players creating their own energy. And um, I explained to the guys, you know, a lot of our guys haven't played in the NCAA tournament, um, but we talk about it a lot. You know, if, if that's the goal and vision, then let's talk about it. And, um, you know, as you guys know, a lot of times in the NCAA tournament, you have a great season. You're one of those 68 teams that gets to keep playing in the NCAA tournament game. Sometimes isn't uh, what you're used to playing. It's more of a neutral game. You know, you've got some fans, the opponent's got some fans, but then especially in the first and second round, it's kind of filled with fans from the other six teams in that region. And, um, you know, a lot of people just buy the ticket and kind of cheer for the underdog. So my point is, I've been telling the guys all the way since this summer, there's going to be some games where you have to manufacture your own energy. And uh, certainly on the road, that's that's a part of playing on the road is, is making sure you can control what you can control. What was, what was different about the way your team defended tonight as opposed to, to last week in that road stretch? Well, to me, it started with a willingness and, um, you know, a desire to defend. And Juju said it best. Uh, we walked in the facility, um, I think yesterday or two days ago for practice, and um, the players, several of the players were kind of meeting themselves, uh, talking about defense. So as a coach, you know, that's not only good to see, that's the only way to win. There, there's no other way. And so for the guys to take some accountability in this deal um, was a great sign. Um, and our co- coaching staff, too, you know, we take accountability as well. So I would say the nice game started with a focus. It was a one-word game plan, defend. Um, and not so much about the opponent, but about us. You know, let's get back to guarding the ball with some more pride. Um, when we do get beat, let's have some, some rim protection and let's uh, rotate, you know. And, and so defense is all about rotating. It's all about helping. And um, I thought tonight we did that. Um, late in the game, we got away from it a little bit. Um, but I thought for the first 30 minutes of the game, you know, our guys were, were trying to defend um, at a high, high effort level. Do you think that this team has the, the pieces and the capability to defend like some of your teams in the past have who have really elite? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that this team has the talent, the character to win every game on the schedule. I don't think there's anybody in college basketball that we can't play with and beat in a 40-minute game. And our margin for error might be smaller than others, but when the ball goes up, um, yes. You know, I believe in these players. Uh, we're a work in progress. 
it's not a coaching speech cliche. It, it's true. Um, we're playing against a lot of teams that have been together for a long time. Um, you know, some of these teams have had guys playing their fifth year together. We're sitting here month nine or ten. Um, but yeah, I uh, have a lot of confidence uh, with these guys. You know, my expectations is to win every game. Um, and I think the players are, are starting to understand that. Chris, your team won the rebounding battle by a significant margin tonight, and that really hasn't been the case all season. What went into that, you know, heading into this game? It's a player's game, and you got individual performances every night. And, um, you know, we had two guys, Moose and Books, have four offensive rebounds apiece. That's elite. You know, in college basketball, when a guy plays uh, rotational minutes, you know, call it 25, 20, 25, 26, 30 minutes, you know, that three offensive rebounds a game is elite. Um, that's what in, ends up leading the SEC and puts you in the top ten nationally. So, um, you know, our crashers are always chasing that kind of individual goal. You know, can you get three offensive rebounds tonight? And then we also have what we call a pender's tip. From time to time, if you can't get the ball and tip it back, uh, it, it's not a part of the college stat sheet now, but it's absolutely a part of NBA stats and analytics. So but I thought it starts right there. I and mean, how do we out-rebound re the opponent? We had two guys get eight offensive rebounds between them, so that was good to see. So it was Chris Beard following last night's game. You know, there are a couple of things that, to me, stand out. If you hear him talk, he thinks they can win right now. I mean, this team has won. It's not, you know, we need a couple of years to get our guys in, and we need help here. It's like, this team. Does he really believe what he said about this team being able to defend the way some of his other teams have? And if he does, how do you get that night in, night out? Because it hasn't been a great defensive team. But I, I used this word earlier to my Arkansas. I mean, he has a standard. You know, that's, that's what he expects his teams to do. So when he says, I expect, you know, he, he expects his teams to be able to defend that way. Will they? I don't know. Probably not. But he, he, he certainly isn't going to say, well, these guys just aren't as good. I mean, he's not going to say that. Yeah. Trying to find. I was looking at individual stats. I was trying to look at team, scoring defense. Ole Miss is middle of the pack in the SEC in scoring defense. They're seventh. Yeah. Giving up 70.2 points per game. Hey, South Carolina is the best in the league at 64.5. Arkansas is the worst in the league at 77. And a half. We talk all the time, too, about how hard it is to win on the road. And, and he was asked about it. And. You know, gave the answer that you just heard. I, I am curious as to what they're doing behind the scenes to try to get that team to play differently on the road. Because as he laid out, and he's right, I mean, part of their 0-3 road record in conference plays because two of those three are Tennessee and Auburn. That, that certainly helps make you look worse on the road than you are because it's Tennessee and Auburn. But even in Baton Rouge, they're sloppy with the basketball you know, bad decisions offensively, didn't shoot particularly well. How do you do that? How do you, like, go to College Station this weekend and bring whatever you had last night, whatever you had against Memphis, whatever you had against NC State, scoring over 100 points against Florida, how do you do that somewhere else besides hypnotism? I've never been hypnotized. Me either, but that might be worth a shot. Trick their mind into thinking that they're in the pavilion. Hey, Dad, do you believe in hypnotism? I don't know. 
know. If we found a professional hypnotist, could we try it on you? Why me? Why has it always got to be me? Why am I always the, 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 the lab rat? It's not that you're the lab rat. It's you're just funny. I am funny. Uh, I don't know. I guess we could try it. Sure. All right. If you are a professional hypnotist or uh, no one, Ceasefire Text Line is open to you, 601 879 4395. Hey, Dad is open to giving it a shot. Well, give it a look. We'll, uh, we'll see where this goes. Are they, you think they'll give me like the password? Like we're rocking along, you're in one of your moods, uh, you're going after the rebels, and then I say, Whamakazam, and all of a sudden you're like, I love Ole Miss. Is that I, how it works? I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> we'll be back. Come on, Super Talk, Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Last time with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. This is a Thursday, but we want to remind you that every Wednesday when the show comes to an end, you can stay tuned on Super Talk Mississippi for Thunder and Lightning with Brian Haydad. It happens on the radio on Wednesday nights from 6 until 7. And don't forget, if you want Thunder and Lightning for your Mississippi State news or the Rebel Report for your Ole Miss news, those podcasts by Brian Haydad with Robbie Falk and Michael Borky respectively, are available for free wherever you get your podcast. Heck yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You no know, day late and a dollar short with that one, buddy. I'm sorry. I'm just promoting a show that uh, airs on our networks at uh, yeah. are 6 you o'clock on Wednesdays. Hey, Michael Borky, how about a stat of the day? Uh, which one would you prefer? Would you like the one that takes a dig at James Franklin, or would you like the one that outlines just how rare what happened with uh, Jim Harbaugh? And I would prefer Jimmy Franklin slander. I'll take Jimmy Franklin slander for five hundred, Alex. So. Jim Harbaugh left for the Los Angeles Chargers. Everybody reporting that Sharon Moore is going to take that job. He's the current offensive coordinator at Michigan. We won't know for at least a week that he gets the job because of state law in Michigan, but it's going to be him. When he assumes the job, Sharon Moore in four games as a head coach at the University of Michigan, he's coached four games in Jim Harbaugh's absence, he has two top ten wins in those four games. In 11 seasons as a head coach, James Franklin has three. (laughs) 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 And and one of those wins for Sharon Moore was against James Franklin. Old Jim Franklin. Yikes, man. And he was a miracle worker with the football team's win-loss record at Vanderbilt. Miracle. He's pretty good at making stuff disappear, too. Maybe he's not a hypnotist, but a magician. Yeah. He made those rape allegations disappear like that. 
It's incredible. Oh. What a terrible, smug, arrogant. You know what? That's the team you want to play if you get a home playoff game. Or if you happen to have to go on the road, that's the team you want to play. He is a great regular season coach. He is a great. The stakes really aren't that high, and I've got a pretty good roster coach. Love playing them when it matters. Love it. You got time for one more stat of the day before I say something I'll regret. Stat of the day college football coaches to leave jobs immediately after finishing first or second in the AP poll. So Jim Harbaugh and Kalen DeBoer did it this season. The Harbaugh went to the Chargers, DeBoer went to Alabama. Chip Kelly is the most recent before this year. All the way back in 2012, he went to the Eagles. Butch Davis was the next recent one Ooh. all the way back in the year 2000 when he took the Browns job. So we hey, are... if Butch Davis had stayed at Miami, would they have kept it rolling? Yes. Okay. Yes, 100% yes. But, but I feel like they had a pretty good thing going. How rare that is. So we had two coaches do it, finishing the top two. It took 12 years between then, and then another 12 years between then. Tom Osborne did it in 97. He retired after a split national championship. Jimmy Johnson did it nine years before. He went to the Cowboys after finishing number two. But Howard Schnellenberger, all the way back in 1983, went to the USFL. Johnny Majors in 76 went to Tennessee. Chuck Fairbanks in 72 went to the Patriots. And Frank Leahy in 1953 retired from his position at Notre Dame. Those are the only coaches that have ever left a job after finishing number one or number two in the history of the sport. And you had two of them do it this season after the departure of Jim Harbaugh uh, just yesterday from the Michigan Wolverines, the tainted national champions, to the Los Angeles Chargers. Hey, don't forget, Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Keep up with everything that is happening in and around Oxford as we roll toward a busy spring that promises to bring warmer temperatures and sunshine. We will not be a town that is full of ice and unrelenting rain forever. History tells me that at some point the sunshine and the blue skies will return, and then you will want to be here and uh, I hope, you can figure uh, out what to do when you're here. Visit OxfordMS.com. I hope before next Tuesday that's the case. I would like to not have to deal with ice and rain. Oh yeah, so you'll be you'll be in studio with me next Tuesday. Yes, yes, we'll be Fantastic. hanging out. Fantastic. All right. Thanks for being with us. Bring you that on Hyundai. this Thursday afternoon for Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio. I'm Richard Cross. Have a good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.